Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. I want to welcome you to week number three in our series, Money Matters. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've uncovered principles that are related to our money and finances that will help all of us to live financially free. I'm going to wrap up this series next week, and then we'll get back to some other stuff uh, that first Sunday of March. But man, it's been good so far, amen? You've heard a lot of great reports. People have been blessed. Some people have made some lifestyle changes. As we've stated uh, each week, and I just want to remind us here, it's not God's will for us to live in any kind of bondage, right? And that includes financial bondage. We should live in freedom. And you might say, well, man, this kind of stuff doesn't seem real spiritual. But I'm telling you, that's the big secret about financial bondage. It's like a spider web, and it just affects every area of our lives, doesn't it? I mean, it affects your, your, your mental health. It affects your anxiety and your stress level. It affects, man, not to mention what it does to your pocketbook, right? So uh, this is definitely a spiritual issue. And so I'm so glad that we're taking a little bit of time to cover that. Here's our text for the series, our verse. We've read it each week. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Amen? Now, in week number one, we talked about, and by the way, man, didn't the praise team and the band do a great job today? Amen? Come on, Charlotte, bring that thing, girl. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. But uh, week one, we talked about what money is and what its role is in our lives. Last week, we talked about what debt is and is there good or acceptable debt. And also, I shared with you some reasons to say no to debt. Uh, and today, I'm going to kind of finish up this message on debt. I want to talk to you about how to begin digging out of debt if you are in debt. And also, at the same time, some principles that might help you stay out of debt. Now, I don't know what your debt situation looks like. Maybe all you need is a spade to dig out. Maybe you need a shovel, amen? Maybe you need a wheelbarrow. Maybe you need a front end loader. I couldn't get one of those in here today. There wasn't room for that. But whatever your situation is, I want to tell you some good news right up front. You can dig out of the hole that you're in. Amen? You can do it. It is possible. And so today I want to start talking about, about that. No matter where you are, you can dig out. So today I'm going to give you eight steps that you can use to either dig out of debt or you can use to learn to stay out of debt. So are you ready? Let's jump right in to digging out of debt. Where do you begin? Where do we start? Well, you begin... Where every endeavor worth doing, where every plan worth undertaking begins. And here it is. You got to start with number one, you got to make a decision. It doesn't start here, it starts here. Amen? It starts here. Every significant achievement or event in your life came as a result of a decision. And getting out of debt is no different. For example, if you chose to go to college, there was a point where you said, you know what, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get an application, I'm going to fill it out, I'm going to sign up for some financial aid, I'm going to show up on opening day, I'm going to go to class. You had to make a decision, right? And you did it. Or maybe when you got married, if you're married, uh, and there came a time when you said, I'm going to make this commitment, he's the one, or she's the one. And I'm ready to take that plunge. You made a decision. You did it with your job. Uh, I'm going to get this job or I'm going to work here. Or maybe I'm going to make the decision to leave ABC company so I can now work for XYZ company. Whatever it is. You made some kind of a decision. 
You made a decision when you made the greatest decision of all to become a Christian. Amen? Can somebody say amen to that? There was a day when you said, you know what? I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior and I'm going to invite Christ to change my world. That was the greatest decision you ever made, by the way. But sometimes making the decision to actually make changes is the hardest part. It really is. It's the hardest part. For example, let's use the good old diet and exercise decision, right? The hardest part, if you want to start exercising, is to what? Get up and put on your tennis shoes and walk out the door. That's the hardest part. Or to get up and set that alarm clock and get in your car and drive across town to the gym. That's the hardest part is making that decision. Amen. And by the way, folks, it's the same way with getting out of debt. you got to be willing to say, you know what? On this day, I am declaring war on indebtedness. On this day, I am sick and tired of the insanity. Today, I'm going to begin with God's help. And by God's plan, I'm going to move toward financial freedom. you just got to make that decision. Now, that does not mean it's going to be easy. But hear me, making the decision is always the biggest part of the battle. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, I've got a made-up mind. Now, see, some of y'all, you ain't there yet. You're thinking, that, uh, you're thinking in my mind, right? You got to make that decision. Now, here's the second thing you do. After you make a decision, and this might seem real redundant or very obvious, you got to pray for God's help. Pray for God's help. 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, we read a story about a widow who was threatened with losing her children to her creditors because she couldn't pay her debt. And uh, she also, she asked the prophet Elisha to help. And Elisha gave her some instructions and he told her, he said, I want you to go and borrow a bunch of empty jars and vessels from all your neighbors and God's going to work a miracle. She had just a little bit of oil, and so she gathered up all these jars, and he told her, he said, now I want you to start filling up those jars with that oil. And the Bible says she filled up every vessel that she had to overflowing, and it was enough for her to not only have oil for all of her needs, but enough oil to pay, to sell, and to pay off all of her debts, all because she asked the man of God for help. She asked for God to get involved in her situation. And I want to tell you the same God that provided supernaturally for that widow, come on, is also interested in helping you become debt free. Amen. So as a believer, after you decide, your next step is pray. Seek the Lord's help. Seek his guidance in your journey toward getting out of debt. He might act immediately, as in the case of the widow, or it might be slow over time. Amen. But you need to ask God to help you find solutions. Ask Him uh, to help in your situation, to help move you toward freedom. Because, folks, I believe that you can get God involved in your finances. And I'm going to talk to you about how to do that today as well. But you can get Him involved, and I believe that it's all right to ask God to move on your behalf. Amen. It's okay. It's right. Now, that does not relinquish us from our fiscal responsibilities, right? Right? But it does allow God to get involved in our finances. Prayer is essential for wisdom, for direction, for provision. Because you know what? The fact is, we wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God. Right? We wouldn't have anything. You wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for God. I've heard people say, well, you know, I earn my money. I work for it. I don't really need to pray about it. I'm a self-made man. Well, you know what the problem is with a self-made man is he usually worships his maker. (laughs) In other words, himself. He looks at himself and he thinks he's God and he doesn't need any spiritual intervention. But here's what James 1 and 5 said about why we need to pray. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. I love the fact that he added that part without finding fault. Because you know what? Sometimes we, I think we sometimes even get embarrassed to ask God. God, I know I got myself in this jam. And we're almost embarrassed to ask God for help. 
Man, don't be embarrassed to ask God for wisdom. God will give you wisdom. He will show you a plan. He will give you a strategy. And I love the fact that it says he's not going to find fault in you for that. It's okay to ask God for wisdom, right? So after making a decision, after praying for help and direction, what do we do? Well, I'm going to launch in now to some practical steps. Are you ready? Here's another one for you. And this was not all super spiritual, but I got to put it in here ready anyway. Are you ready? You got to keep good records. Can I get a little help in this house today? Amen. Now, I know that doesn't sound spiritual, but let me give you a verse that will spiritualize it for you. Proverbs 27 and verse 23 says, be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Why? Because riches do not endure forever. And a crown is not secure for all generations. These verses are written to shepherds and it's saying, you've got to know the condition of your flocks. You have got to give careful attention to your herds. I love this passage from the Living Bible. Check this out. Same verses. Riches can disappear fast. And the king's crown doesn't stay in the family forever. So watch what? Your business interests closely. In other words, you got to know what's going on. Know the state of your flocks and your herds. Folks, hear me. You are never going to be able to dig out of debt if you don't watch your income and your expenses closely. you got to keep good records. Know the conditions of your flock. In other words, know where your money is going. Keep good records. That's a starting point. you got to keep track of your finances. Otherwise, the pressure will start piling on. Pressure comes when we're in the dark about our finances. Folks, by the way, let me just throw this in. Any married couples out there, if one of you is better at this than the other, please let the person that's good at this. Can I get a little help from the married folks? Come on, don't be so proud that you're just going to drag your, your family right on down to the pit. Amen? If one of you is better with money, guess what? That's okay. It's not a man thing. It's not a woman thing. It's whoever can do it thing. Amen? Keep track of what's going on. I was in somebody's house not long ago, and I could say this because it wasn't none of you in this room. Amen? I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. Amen? And I saw on their counter this huge basket that was full of mail and it wasn't stacked up it wasn't in nice lines it was stuff thrown in there some of it was open some of it wasn't I mean it looked like a bomb went off in that basket and I just and immediately when I saw that I'm not gonna lie to you I kind of got the jitters it was all I could do I have to confess it was all I could do to not go over there when they left the room and start trying to straighten stuff out for them amen it was all I could do because I just thought, this is a disaster. How do they know what's going on? They can't know what's going on, amen, by that. You know, folks, I'm going to just tell you right now, stuffing your bills in the junk drawer at home is not a financial plan for success. <laughs> Throwing the bills in the wastebasket and hoping that they forget your address, that's not a plan for success, Amen you got to know the condition of your flocks. Amen. I hear tons of people say, well, I don't know where my money is going. Where does it go? That's why you got to know the condition of your flocks. People say, you know, that money talks. But you know what I found is it seems like when money can't be found, it just silently sneaks away. At least that's what we think. Because if you don't know where your money is going, you're going to be constantly living under financial pressure. The first rule of success in finances is you got to face the facts. Be realistic, amen? How many of you would agree that ignorance regarding your finances is not bliss? It's not, right? Sticking your head in the sand is not the solution. It can get you in a lot of trouble. Ignorance plus easy credit equals catastrophe. And when you don't know where the money is going, you got plenty of ways to spend it. It's not going to end well. Here's what Proverbs 23, 23 says. Get the facts at any price. Proverbs 24 and 3 says, and I love this. And you say, well, do we really need to keep up? Yeah, look at this. A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense, 
through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and values. Well, where's all the spiritual stuff in those verses? Your house is going to be built by wisdom, by good sense, through knowledge. In other words, you've got to keep up with the facts. So if I'm going to start keeping good records, then what should I know? What should I be keeping track of? I'm going to give you four things real quick. Here's the first thing you need to know. You ought to know what you own. Know what you own. Now, that doesn't mean what you're making payments on. Amen? I mean, what do you actually own? Evaluate your possessions because one of the ways you can get out of debt is sometimes you can get rid of stuff that you're not using that you own. You know, those golf clubs that are collecting dust. One of your 25 shotguns. Amen? I'm not looking at anybody in this room right now when I say that. <laughs> Amen. It might be some sporting equipment. It might be jewelry. It might be a bunch of clothes. It might be some furniture you don't ever use. You might say, well, I'm not going to get much for that stuff. Well, yeah, but every little bit will help you if you're trying to what? Dig out of debt. Amen. Sometimes you got to do radical things in order to get back where you can breathe again. Amen. So know what you own. You also need to know what you owe. O-W-E. A lot of people, man, they don't know what they owe. Our human nature is to avoid the unpleasant things, to kind of hope things will go away. And we really don't know what we owe. Or we don't know how much they're charging the interest uh, for. Uh, but you got to know. Know who your creditors are. Know how much you owe. Know what the interest rate is. It's painful. It's ugly. But you got to know what you owe. Here's the next thing you need to do to keep records. Know what you earn. You know, it's, it's an important part of this equation, folks. I'm going to talk more about this next week. But debt's not just about the spending side. Debt is also about the earning side. And you might need to do some things to increase your earning capacity. I'm going to talk to you about that next week. Amen. And the fourth thing you need to know is where your money goes. I'm talking about your expenditures. Now, this is where it gets painful. I'm talking about your 7-Eleven money. I'm talking about your Chick-fil-A money. Come on. Starbucks. Wawa for all you elite people who don't go to 7-Eleven. Amen. <laughs> come on. I'm talking about sheets. You might say, man, come on, Pastor. You're just picking on me. No, 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 no. Do you realize? How much money you can spend in a week. Stopping to get your six-inch hoagie and your 64-ounce Coke and sheets. Or getting your $7 latte on your $4 egg bites at Starbucks. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm saying you need to know how much money you're spending on chicken nuggets and waffle fries. Or you're never going to be able to dig out of debt. Can all the real people in the house say amen? amen. Come on. you got to keep track of your expenses. How much do you spend at the grocery store? Well, whatever I need to do. No, no, no. you got to know what you're spending. God bless her. My wife's not here. She's gone away to a training event. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, I, I mentioned this in the first service, the grocery store budget. Now, I went back just for the fun of it last night, and I have a file in my house where I have copies of my old budgets. I just do it for my own records. For some reason, I don't have, and I'm so upset, the very first one that we wrote in September of 1990, the month we got married. But I remember we had a budget. The first one I could find is 1992. But I've got every budget from 1992 until now. That's a long time. And when I looked at that 1992 budget last night, I thought, how did we survive? I mean, I really did. I looked at how much money I made, and I thought, there's no way. And then I looked at what my rent was, which ironically, you know it was funny? It was still a whole check and a half to cover the rent. That proportion hasn't changed much, has it, right? And I looked at, and I looked at what we gave, and then I looked at the grocery budget. You know what it was? $30 a week. Wow. Now, here's what's, yeah. Now, here's why I, I have to really confess that I feel bad. I remember many times my wife came home. Because we were on a tight budget. You know why? We were living in a roach-infested apartment, and we wanted to buy a house. So we saved every single penny of overtime. Every time she cleaned a house, we didn't have any of her money in the budget. We lived off of just mine. So we were saving, 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 trying to get our down payment. And we knew we couldn't spend anything that we didn't have extra. And I remember her saying, 
it was embarrassing at the grocery store today. And I said, what happened? She said, well, when we, they were scanning it, and she was watching the whole time. Scanning, scanning, scanning. Now, back then, I think even they were, and she'd stop and say, where am I at right now? And when it got to $30, she said, that's enough. And there were times when she would go, you know what, wait a minute, let me swap this for this. Now, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm glad I wasn't buying the groceries because I'm too proud. I would have been like, oh, Lord. I don't went over the budget now, but I'm too proud to put stuff back. I'm too proud. I would have, man, I would have had us all jammed up, amen? I would have had us all messed up. But I remember those days when it was tough. I remember, bless her heart, I wish I could give her a big hug right now. Robin having to slide groceries back and say, no, not this week. And folks, that's tough, right? That, those are not easy decisions to make. But when you're radical about digging out, what do you do? You do radical stuff. Come on, sometimes you got to get radical, amen? Dave Ramsey said what? Live like nobody else so you can live like nobody else, amen? So no what you owe and know what you spend. So here we go. Let me keep going because I'm going to run out of time. Number one, make a decision. Number two, pray for God's help. Number three, keep good records. Are you ready for number four? Plan your spending. Not even one amen. <laughs> Not even a good old Baptist nod. Come on, somebody help a brother out right now. Come on, amen. A Methodist wave. I'll take anything in this moment right here. Come on, somebody help me out here. You gotta plan your spending all through scriptures. The Bible teaches that the wise person plans ahead and the foolish person simply lives for today. Plan your spending. Yes, you knew I couldn't make it through a four-week series without mentioning the B word. Budget. <laughs> if you don't believe in budgets, I've got a verse for you that'll hopefully spiritualize it for you and change your perspective. Are you ready? Proverbs 21 and 5. Here it is. Good planning. And hard work lead to prosperity. Don't you wish it was more esoteric than that? Don't you wish it was this some kind of a mystic uh, thing where you sprinkle fairy dust and God breathes on it and the wind blows? And it, no, no. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But what? Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I love this verse from the Living Bible. If there was ever a job description verse for a budget, here it is. You ready? Steady plodding brings prosperity. But hasty speculation brings poverty. Folks, there is nothing sexy about a budget. There's nothing fascinating about a budget. There's nothing that just makes you set the alarm clock to go, I'm getting up early tomorrow so I can work on the budget before I go to work. No, no, no. There's nothing that drives that kind of excitement about a budget. What is it? Steady plodding. Steady plodding. Steady plodding. And sometimes, steady plodding. Hard work. Plan your spending. So what is a budget? It's real simple. It's planned spending. And by the way, if you don't like the word budget, I thought up a new phrase for you last night. Are you ready? It's your family financial plan. There you go. You don't have to say you have a budget. You have a family financial plan. Because the Bible says that the person who plans ends up in prosperity, and the person who doesn't ends in poverty. You know what a budget is? It's telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it went. Amen. It's you being the director, you managing the money. By the way, there's principles of stewardship when God wants us to. And a good budget, and by the way, I'm not going to tell you how to create a budget today. There are countless resources online. We've got financial classes. I recommend Dave Ramsey. I recommend Ron Blue. I recommend uh, any Christian approach to budgeting. There's millions of resources. There's apps you can do. There's all kinds of forms you can download. We will help you if you need help at the church. Contact the office. We will sit down with, a, and we'll have a volunteer that will sit down confidentially, show you how to do this. Folks, we don't have any excuses. We have no excuses, amen? But a good budget includes saving, spending, giving, 
How much am I going to spend? How much am I going to give? How much am I going to save? Because here's, in my experience, very few people who are in deep debt, debt have been using a budget. Come on, you might have one in the file, in the drawer, right? You might have one on your computer. You don't even know where it is. Where's that folder at? Amen. Let me see if I can find that folder. But remember, no plan works unless you stick to it. What was it? Planning and hard work. Right. Let's jump right in. Next point. After keeping good records and planning your spending. You got a number five. Enjoy what you have. Let me help you with this a minute. Proverbs 15, 16. It's better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. I read another scripture this past week. I didn't include it in the notes, but I thought it was good. It said, it's better to eat vegetables with a friend than a steak with someone who is your enemy. I actually had to pray about that verse. I'm like, you know, I don't know about that. I can sit pretty quiet and eat a steak. (laughs) But better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and what? Turmoil. Amen. Amen. When you're all uptight, that your whole life is revolving around earning. You know what, folks? You're better off eating hamburger helper on a budget than Lone Star and Maggiano's on a credit card that you can't pay off every month. It's real simple, guys. If you can't pay it off at the end of the month, don't charge it. Don't charge it. For the third week in a row, here's the word, contentment. Talked about it in week one, talked about it last week, contentment. I'm not saying you shouldn't have any goals, right? You should have goals for every area of your life. And just like you set goals for every other area, you need financial goals, amen. But in the meantime, while you're focused on your goals, enjoy what you've got. That creates a balance, a a, a sweet spot. It keeps you Christ-centered. But folks, I want to be real clear. It's okay to want more. But also be content with what you have right now. Here it is. You can rejoice in where you are at while you dream about where you want to be. I want to say, I want to help somebody right now. Rejoice where you are while you dream about where you want to be. There's nothing wrong with that. But enjoy what you have. Have you ever met somebody that was so caught up in reaching their goals that they never stopped to enjoy what they had? Man, it happens all the time. You see it in workaholics. You see people, they, want, they just want too much, too fast. They get so caught up in making a living, they forget how to make a life. Amen. But folks, there's some things that are just more important than money. They are. Like having a home that's filled with love. As parents, folks, parents, let me just say to everybody that's got children that are still living at home, your kids need attention more than they need stuff. Amen. They need attention more than they need stuff. I hear people say often, I want to give my kids quality time rather than quantity. I want to pop that bubble for you real quick. Kids decipher quality as quantity. Kids spell L-O-V-E-T-I-M-E. I know this isn't in my notes right now, but I'm trying to help somebody right now. Kids want that. That's what they mean. Uh, yeah, is Xavier in the booth? Yeah, Lindsay's here. Yesterday, uh, my grandkids spent the night Friday night, and Lindsay and Xavier came to pick them up early Saturday morning. And sometimes we like to do something fun with my, my uh, Apple Watch app, the Find My feature. So what we'll do, I'll get on it, and when we know they're getting close, I'll pull up Xavier or Lindsay, and the kids love to watch their face coming down the road. <laughs> now, yesterday we had an ulterior motive. We went out on the porch, and we were hiding, and Mason had his bow and arrow with his rubber-tipped bows, and I said, when Mom and Dad get here, we're going to shoot them. (laughs) And my boy, it it was like in a movie. He drew back. That thing hit Xavier right in the corner of the head. I was like, man, you can't dream this up. It's like, come on, boy, high five. But you know what? And this, I didn't even tell Xavier this yesterday. But as soon as I pulled up the picture, Ava, who's two years old, said, Daddy's coming home. And she started kissing my phone. 
Now, her dad drives a truck, and sometimes he has to be gone for a few days, uh, a week at a time. And I've heard Lindsay has shown me he gets all, she gets all excited when daddy gets home. Folks, time, time, time. I'm sorry I digressed from the debt. I just want to help somebody. Spend time. Amen. There are things more important than money. Amen. And that's the people that God put in your life. Let me hurry up here. I'm never, never going to get to, to everything. First Timothy, I'm sorry. Let's skip that verse, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So, how do we dig out of debt? Number one, make a decision. Number two, pray for God's help. Number three, keep good records. Number four, plan your spending. Number five, enjoy what you have. Number six, are you ready? Give. Now, this one might seem counterintuitive. But if you're a Christian, one of the greatest ways to get out of debt and start enjoying God's blessings is to give financially. By the way, I'm just going to say this. If you are struggling right now and you're in debt and you don't tithe, the best time to start tithing is when you're struggling financially. Can all the tithers say amen? It's the truth. Here's what the book of Proverbs says, Proverbs 3 and 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. If you are a believer, the first area of giving that you want to be faithful to is tithing. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point. This is the only time I'm mentioning it in this entire series, so I'll mention it right here. Tithing is returning the first 10% of your income to God. Now, I could give you tons of scriptures, but I'm not going to do that today. But there's a promise that's found in verse 10. He said, your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. When we do what? When we honor the Lord with our wealth and when we give him of the first fruits. He will bless you. The Bible teaches there's three purposes for tithing. Number one, it demonstrates gratitude. Man, when I tithe faithfully, I'm saying, Lord, I am grateful for the fact that I realize if it weren't for you, I wouldn't even have what I have. Tithing expresses gratitude. It's an expression of, Lord, you have taken care of me in the past, and I continue to trust you right now. I'm grateful for your goodness. Here's the second reason tithing blesses you. It is a reminder of the present. When I tithe and give my offering, it is a reminder that God is first in my life. It is saying, God, I want you first in every place in my life. Now, I'm just going to say this. You know why it's a reminder presently? Because sometimes when things are a little tight, you feel it when you write that tithe check. You know, come in, all the real people can say amen. Come on. Sometimes there's other things when you think, oh, I could really spend the money on this. And you feel it. And you know what? It's a constant reminder. God is first in my life. So I'm going to honor him with the first fruits. I'm going to honor him with the first 10%. I'm going to honor him with the tithe every time I earn income. Tithing demonstrates not only past gratitude, but it's a reminder for the present. And then thirdly, tithing is a step of faith for the future. Amen. It's demonstrating faith. It's saying, God, I'm giving to you. I am putting you to the test. I realize you're going to bless me back. You're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of me and mine. Amen? It's a step of faith. I read a story about an old man. I don't know if this was true or not, a story, so that's the disclaimer. But I read this story about this man. He was walking across the desert. He was dying of thirst. He came upon this old dilapidated uh, cottage that was torn down, but it had one of those well pumps out front. Those big handles. And there was a wooden sign that was hanging on it. And the sign said this. If you're thirsty, dig one foot down in the ground and there is a glass jar that is filled with water. Sure enough, dug down, pulled the jar out and he kept reading the sign. It said, take that glass jar, pour it into the pump. Pump like crazy for a minute. Then you'll have all the water that you need. Then fill up the glass and bury it for the next person. Now you got to imagine. In that moment. You pull out a big jar of water. You're dying of thirst. Do I really risk it. Pouring it into this rusty pump. Do I trust the instructions. Knowing that it's going to produce way more. Or do I just drink the water now. Folks tithing. Is a lot like that. 
It's like saying, God, I have faith in you. I trust you. You've given me 100%. Now, do I spend it all on me? Or do I take 10% of this back and I sow it where it belongs and I trust you to take care of the rest? It's an exercise of faith. And folks, you've heard me say it once. You'll hear me say it a thousand times. I would rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed 100% any day of the week. Amen? Malachi 3.8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Notice, it says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. I love this verse. God says, test me. Put me to the test. You can prove him. And when you ignore, though, this challenge, folks, you're doing it to your own detriment. Again, I I mentioned Robin and I because I know us better than anybody else. When we got married, we had this discussion when we were engaged. It was a non-negotiable. We would always tithe and give offerings of our income. You know why? Somebody taught us how to do it when we were teenagers. And man, I made up my, and we have done it ever since. And you know what? I'm thankful. I've made up my mind before anybody else gets paid, we give to God and his kingdom. And also, let me stop here. Giving is not just limited to the church or to God. Sometimes God will call on you to give to others. Hear me. One of the quickest ways out of your hole is to bless somebody else. Again, let me give you some scripture, Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will what? Prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Sometimes God sends people into your life and you have an opportunity and you feel that little nudge. You know it. You recognize that voice. Oh, Lord, do you really want me to bless them? Yep. And then you have a decision to make. Do I trust the Lord or what do I do? Look at Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 from the Living Bible. I love this. It is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man, this isn't talking about your theology or your politics. It's talking about the generous man will be rich. How? By watering others, he waters himself. Proverbs 19, 17, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Folks, that's a loan that you can make when you lend to the Lord. The Bible says, give, it shall be given to you. Bible says you reap what you sow. And folks, I'm just going to tell you right now, trust me on this. If you're in a financial bond right now, look for something to give away. Seriously, if you're in a bind right now, you go home and say, help me, Lord, show me something I can do to bless somebody else. Come on, I'm telling you, you will unlock spiritual doors in your life. You will break, come on, you will break the back of the debtor. You will break that spirit of materialism in your life. Say, I just want to bless somebody else. You might not even have any money. Joe, the Lord might be talking to you to give me one of your fishing poles. I don't know, amen. Come on, you might not have... But you just go home and say, God, show me how to bless somebody else. Amen? All right. Did you know the word miserable, the word miserable comes from the word miser? And a lot of people are miserable because they're miserly, right? Takers are always unhappy. Learn to give. Real quick, I'm wrapping up. Here's the next thing you need to do. Number seven, work the plan. What did the scripture say? Planning and hard work. And folks, this is where the work comes in. If you have debt, I'm just going to be honest with you. Unless the Lord sends a prophet with a plan to fill up the jars with oil, it's probably going to require some work. It's going to require some digging. It's going to require a wheelbarrow. It's going to require a plan. And I told you this last week. If it took you a long time to get there, it might take you a long time to get out. That's all right. It builds character, and it gets you where you want to be. So you might have to come up with a debt repayment plan. And what what does that mean? 
you, again, find out what you owe. You might want to pay off the small debts first, or you might want to pay off the higher interest debts. Now, I used to, when I was young, I used to always tell people, pay off the higher interest stuff first. But then, you know what? I learned something about myself. I got a whole lot of joy out of paying those little things off and getting them off my list. And man, get rid of that thing. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Then you take that little bit and you add it to the next bill. And next thing you know, you get that debt snowball going the right way. And you get rid of it. Work your plan. I mentioned this last week. One way to work the plan, control the use of your credit cards and your debit cards. Amen. No joke, this happened yesterday. I went to the bank to withdraw some money to get my wife went out of town to give her some cash. And I used my debit card at the ATM and it didn't work. And then I punched the thing in and I tried it again and it didn't work. And I tried another and it didn't work. So I drove around to the thing and I went and I gave the lady. I said, my card is not working. I'm trying to withdraw cash. I don't understand what's going on. So she took my card and my ID and she came back and she said, you've never used this card. I said, no, I, I only use it for emergencies or when I need cash. And she said, if you don't use your card, and this bank, yes, if you don't use your card at least once every three months, your card quits working. I thought, what a racket. <laughs> Driving me to use my card so it doesn't go bad. And folks, this is what's embarrassing about it. This is the third time in my life that's happened. I never used the card. Folks, limit the use of those cards. Keep yourself out of trouble. Federal Reserve said only 45% of credit cards are paid in full every month. They also estimate that we spend more than one-third more money when we use credit instead of cash. Everybody remember what cash is? That green stuff. Remember that? <laughs> Amen. And here's my last point. Praise team, come on up. Last one, number eight. Are you ready? Don't give up. If you want to get out of debt, it ain't fun. It ain't easy. It's not always glorious. Sometimes your back hurts. Sometimes you're working long hours. Sometimes you're sacrificing. Sometimes you have to say no when other people say yes. Sometimes you may not have Pinterest-worthy vacations. You may not, your Facebook page might not be full of all the pictures that everybody else has of their cruise. You might not have beautiful pictures of dinners on your page. But don't give up. Don't give up. You know what you're doing? You're living like nobody else. So one day you can live like nobody else. Don't give up. Remember, folks, getting out of debt is a marathon. It's not a sprint. The race is not to the quick. It's to the strong. October 29, 1941, Winston Churchill, who was a prime minister of England, he was invited to give a school commencement address. At this particular time, World War II was overwhelming all of Europe. England's fate was in doubt. So Prime Minister Churchill stood to speak. And this was the entirety of his speech. Are you ready? He said, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. And then he sat down. His message was, it's dark, it's bleak, we may not come out of this thing, we don't know how this is going to work out, but here's what we know, we are never going to quit. And he inspired an entire nation, and here I am almost a hundred years later repeating his words. I want to tell somebody right now, hear me, there's a way out of your situation. I say, man, there's no way I can ever dig out. Yes, you can. And guess what? Before we close today, I want you to stand with me all over this house if you're able to stand. Here's the good news. I gave you eight steps today. Did you know you could take two of those steps before you walk out of this room? You can take the first two steps right now if you're really serious about getting out of the jam. You know what the two steps were? Anybody remember? First of all, making the decision. 
then pray for God's help. You can do 25% of the steps right now before you go home. Amen. This message brought to you by Lowe's. Make the decision. Some of you folks, you're right. Some of you, you're like, man, I don't have any debt. God bless you. I'm, I'm so thankful that you're where you are. There's other people right now, you're drowning. You're like, oh, my Lord, I don't even know how, how I'm going to get out. Guess what? Make the decision. God, I'm going to do this by the grace of God. And I'm going to pray for you to give me wisdom. I'm going to pray for you to put people in my path. And maybe you don't, you don't, I don't even know what to do. God, I'm going to pray for you to send the right person to help me. I'm going to call the church tomorrow. And I'm going to meet with somebody who can show me how to dig out of this hole. Maybe the decision is, God, I'm going to start trusting you financially. I'm going to tithe. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Ooh, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to prove you. I'm going to test you. Make the decision and pray for God's help. I love this song that the praise team's getting ready to sing because I think it's so good about debt retirement. Charlotte, what's the first line say? Put, put, your, put it in the mi- microphone. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. They say the chains are never going to break. Go on, hold on to that. Some of you, you've been thinking, i got to live like this the rest of my life. That's a lie from the devil. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. They might say the mountain can't be moved, but guess what? Jesus said, speak to the mountain. And if you have faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved and what? It's got to go. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. That's another lie. The devil wants God's people living in chains. Uh, chains of debt, chains of addiction, chains of, of, of broken relationships. He wants you chained. These chains can break today. And I'm going to ask you right now, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are and just say, you know what? I'm making the decision today. Things are going to be different. I'm going to be in a different place this time next year than where I'm at right now. God, I'm going to ask you to move in and give me wisdom, give me direction. Help me, Lord God, to live according to your word. God, I want to live free because I want my marriage to be free. I want my kids to be free. Come on, somebody. I want my grandkids to be free. I want to be free to give if I want to give. I want to be free to save if I want to save. God, I want you to set me free. Praise team's going to sing, and I want you to step out from where you are. Just lift your hands and begin to ask God to move in your situation. Right now, that's it, yes. God, I believe you right now, Lord. I believe that you're able, God. I believe that you're able. Amen. Go ahead. Come on, God can do it. God, I believe, I believe, God, we
Church. God bless you.